Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for Grace Church. And God, thank you for who you are in our life. God, that's our prayer. We want to praise you and lift up the name of Jesus today. Would you show us something new today and give us the courage to continue to follow you. We love you. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated whether you're here in person or you are watching online. We're so glad that you've joined us today. But let me go ahead and just say, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, yeah. Welcome to the year 2021, right? 2020 is over, guys. We'll never be there again. 2020's gone, all right? Uh, you know, there are some things in 2020 I'm just like done with, right? Like certain words or phrases, like, like the word pivot, I'm just done with that word, you know? Or, or unprecedented or uncertain, right? I'm done with the, or even the phrase, you're muted, like, come on, I'm done. Let's move on. Let's keep going, right? Um, you know, it's funny because there was something that was posted online. People are like, claiming 2021 is their year. And there was someone that posted this. I thought it was kind of funny. They said, you know, nobody claimed 2021 is your year. We're all going to walk in real slow. Be good. Be quiet. Don't touch anything, right? <laughs> right? I just thought that was funny. But listen, as crazy as last year was, right? Um, there was something that was really good from 2020. Something that was just a blessing. Every time you saw it, it just brought joy to your heart and, and, and a smile to your face, right? Even if it was just for that moment. It was something that was just so good to see every single time. And of course, I'm talking about Baby Yoda. <laughs> or now we know his name, Grogu, okay? Thank you, when it, you know, the Mandalorian, thank you. Uh, it was just good to see that picture every time I saw that. I'm like, oh, that, that's kind of cute. It's good. <laughs> so listen, whenever a new year begins, it's, um, it's always interesting. We get all excited about it, you know. We're excited. And so we always want to start something new. New year, new you, right? That, that's what we say. And so, you know, chances are you've already started your, your, your diet plan, you know, beach body right? Your exercise regiment, right? Or a new discipline or, or maybe something else. Or maybe, maybe you were the one that decided, I'm going to start eating healthy in the new year, but I'm just going to start on Monday. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It just makes sense in the schedule, right? Right? Okay, I get it. I get it. Whatever that is, like, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But here's the thing. Before that new you occurs, okay, before the new you occurs, you need to have a new view. So I'm titling this message today, New Year, New View. New Year, New View. I think we need to view things a little differently going into this year so that we don't repeat last year. And there's a passage in the Bible that I want to read for you in Luke chapter 8. So make sure you turn on your Bibles or, or actually open them up um, to Luke chapter 8. There's a great passage of someone who went through a very difficult season that I think we can learn uh, a few new views today. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And Jesus was, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And the, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. 
She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, no, no. Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. I'm gonna stop right there. Listen, there's so much in this passage of scripture I would love to spend so much time on, but we don't have enough time to really go through it all. But I just wanted you to notice something real quick, just right off the bat, before we get into the new views. Notice here that Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house to see about his daughter, and it's on the way that something powerful happens. Understand this, listen, so often we get caught up with the destination. I can't wait for 2021. I can't wait to be married one day. I can't wait to graduate. I can't wait for my kids to grow up and move out. I can't wait for my kids to come back home. Right, we get so caught up with the destination, but just write this down if you're taking notes. It's in the journey, not the destination, that we find something significant. So everyone say, it's in the journey. It's in the journey. If you're watching online, type that in the chat. It's in the journey that we find something significant. So today I want to give you a few new year, new views that I think is important for us to have that we can learn from in this passage. And the first is this. We need to have a new view of self. A new view of yourself. You see, here in this text, in this passage of Scripture, the woman is unnamed. Instead, she is known by her problem. See, I think so often the problem can become so big in our life that it swallows up our identity. She is, as the Bible calls her, the woman with the issue of blood. That's her identity. See, I think sometimes we rehearse the problem more than the promise. And whenever we talk more about the problem than we do the promise of God, the problem gets magnified in our life. And so if you're taking notes today, write this down. We get more of whatever we magnify. We get more of whatever we choose to magnify in our life. So whatever is celebrated, good or bad, gets repeated. Whatever is repeated becomes the culture that we live in. So let me ask this question. What have you been magnifying in your life? What have you been praising, celebrating, and repeating over and over to yourself and to others in your life? Chances are that's what you're getting more of, and it could be encroaching on your identity. But I mean, come on, can you blame this woman? She's been dealing with this issue for 12 years. Think about that, for 12 years. I mean, I can deal with like one problem for one year, 
And then like a different problem the next year. Like that's a good pace for me and my stress level. But this woman had the same problem for 12 years. And on top of that, the law in this day declared her unclean. What does that mean? It means her issue separated her from her family, from her friends, and from her community. She was in total isolation. A never-ending, lifelong quarantine is what this woman was experiencing. And guess what? She didn't have a Zoom account to connect with others, you know what I'm saying? She, she wasn't able to text in, you know, connect me to 411247 for someone to reach out to her. She didn't have that. She was completely alone. In fact, in Mark chapter five, Mark describes her as someone who had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. You see, listen, at some point in her life, she had relationships. She had friends, she had family, she had money. And all of that was taken away from her. And what did that do? What did that do to her? Listen real carefully. It made her desperate. She became desperate, man. She was at her very last See, there's something about desperation that pushes you. Something about desperation that pushes you to do more than you ever thought you, you could. See, when you're desperate enough, you're going to shed those pounds. When you're desperate enough, you'll wake up early and do that exercise. When you're desperate enough, you'll wake up and serve your family in a completely different way. When you're desperate, you come to church different. When, when, when you're desperate, you approach God in a completely different way. It's as if desperation is the door that breakthrough walks through. So in so many ways, we ought to view desperation, listen, as a gift. Why? Desperation will open doors that complacency will keep shut. Oh, you better write that one down. Desperation. You're, de you're desperate, right? Desperation will open doors, break through open doors, that complacency will keep shut. Listen, this woman and the disease, yeah, clap, praise the Lord for that. Don't, don't patty cake, right? If you're gonna clap, just clap. See, here's the thing, like this woman with the disease, with this issue, she, listen, she ran out of options. That's what this text is telling us. She ran out of options. She was all alone, down to her very last. And here's the thing you gotta pay close attention to. Sometimes we don't believe God when we have options. And sometimes he allows doors to close in our life for us to view ourselves and him effectively and appropriately. This is why Jesus said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is for this very reason. But let me go even further with this, okay? There are people in the world today that have to believe God for water every single day. I'm gonna be honest with you, I've never had to believe God for water. Don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I am grateful for water and all that God has provided for me, but I have a kitchen sink 
And as long as the kitchen sink works, I have access to water. I'm able to access it. You see, listen, here, I've never had actually pray for water. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, I've never prayed for it. See, here's the reality. Faith is born when man's ability fails. That's when faith erupts. That's when it happens. That's when it begins. Faith starts at the point of, of human limitation. That's when it begins. It's very difficult, not impossible, but very difficult. How hard it is for the rich. It's very difficult to believe God for something you can already do for yourself. Most of us, lean into this, most of us did not pray for God to dress us, for God to brush our teeth for us, for God to wake us up. Even the atheists can do all that by themselves. You see, most of the time, we're not praying for the things that are within our ability and capacity to perform. I didn't have to pray for any of those things. See, we start really believing God in a new way when you've run out of options and have only him to depend on. When we've become desperate enough for him. As Paul said, for when I am weak, then he is strong. So are you feeling weak today? Like, you, like you've hit rock bottom, you are desperate. If that's you, then you are just right for God because he's leading you into this place of desperation. We need a new view, praise God. If you, you've come here today or you're watching online and you are desperate for him today. So we need a new view of self, but we also need a new view of others. A new view of others. See, Jairus came to Jesus because his 12-year-old daughter, only daughter, was dying. I mean, this was like the urgency of a 911 caller. Can you, fathers out there, listen, come up, parents. My, it's one thing for the enemy to attack me, but you, you're attacking my kids now. I mean, you see the desperation. Jairus is going, Jesus, come on. And so Jesus began to go with Jairus on his way to his house. And all of a sudden, Jesus is interrupted by someone else. So Jesus stops. Who touched me? All right, who touched me? If you're Jairus right now, you're going, are you kidding me right now, Jesus? Everybody is touching you. The crowd is pressing and crushing you. Every, why are you talking? What do you mean? Peter, talk to your boy. I've got a dying daughter at home. You know what I'm saying? I mean, can you feel the urgency of Jairus right now? You're going, come on. And then, see, and then the Bible says that she, she told her whole story to Jesus. Really? It's like if you're Jairus, you're going, come on, woman, get your healing and go. You know, sorry. You know, you know pastor's in the lobby. Hey, can you pray with me? He's like, no, I don't got time to pray with you right now. I need to go. My daughter is dying. This was the urgency and on his way with the search, come on, Jesus, come, where'd you, Jesus, Jesus, where'd you go? There's this woman who just cut in line. Oh, come on. See, Jairus had to wait on his blessing. But if that's not frustrating enough, it's having to wait on your blessing while someone else is getting theirs. Have you ever been there? 
Have you ever had to watch someone get a promotion when you just lost your job? Have you ever had to watch someone post pictures on Instagram of their new beautiful baby when it's been years and you can't get pregnant? Have you ever had to watch someone walk down the aisle and get married when you're still single? Have you ever had to watch someone survive a sickness when you've lost loved ones to it? You see, it is really hard, in fact, frustrating at times to view others. But man, then the worst happens. News that no parent wants to hear. Someone came from Jairus' house as Jesus was still talking and talking to this lady and says, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. I can't imagine the emotional stress and, and, and the pain he must have felt in this moment. Uh, per, perhaps he was thinking, Jairus was thinking in his head, Jesus, if you wouldn't have stopped for that other person, if you would have just continued on with me, my daughter may have been saved. See, it's really easy for us to view someone else's blessing, compare it to our burden, and become bitter. Oh man, that's easy. It's easy for us to view someone else's blessing while we are still struggling and decide within ourselves, I'm done with church, I'm done with God, and walk away. How we view others and the things they experience can be so difficult sometimes which is why we need a new view. When God works in others, we need to change our view of others. You see, Jesus stopping to help the woman, this other person, was not to discourage Jairus. It was to remind him that God has the power. Notice this one little thing in this passage of Scripture, this one little thing. It was to encourage him, but notice this. Jesus calls the woman daughter. Nowhere else in all of scripture does Jesus call anyone by that name. Yes, it is as if to encourage her with, with tender loving words, but also as if to remind or even hint at Jairus, I healed this daughter. Don't worry about yours. I can help her too. See, when someone's life is changed, even though ours hasn't. That shouldn't make us bitter or upset. That should act as a reminder that God is still on the throne, that he is still working, that even in a pandemic, hundreds can be fed through food for families, that even the most difficult year, God can do the impossible. Do not be discouraged when someone else is blessed and you're not. It is to encourage you that God is able and he is still at work with his people. Now listen, do not read this. Do not read this and look at this and go, okay, so that means if they got a house, so I'm gonna get a house in the same neighborhood with the same square footage and I'm gonna measure Jesus, so you better make sure. No, 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 no. So often, God works differently with different people in different ways. And this, this story is a prime example of that. You see, because if you continue reading on, 
Jesus does go to the house of Jairus. He walks into that house and he says, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And she comes to life and she gets up. See, because Jesus was never planning a healing for, for that little girl, he was planning a resurrection. It was a different thing altogether. So we need a new view of self. We need a new view of others. But last, listen, we need a new view of God. We need a new view of God. Listen carefully. How many of you guys know that you don't need a Bible college degree or even be a student in biblical numerology to know that there are certain numbers in the Bible that kind of act as these biblical blues clues that they are a big deal to God. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, uh, well, well, 12 is a number in the Bible that is a really big deal to God. See, when God began his covenant with his people, it commenced with Abraham, continued through Isaac, and it was culminated through Jacob. Jacob had not one, not 10, but 12 sons representing the power and the authority of God. Those 12 sons later became the 12 tribes of Israel representing the power and the authority of that nation. How many of you remember that in the Old Testament, the, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies uh, on behalf of the people of God, and, and when he would stand there, he had a breastplate with 12 precious stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and he would stand there in power and in authority. How many of you know that in the New Testament, our high priest, who is Jesus, at the tender age of 12, was found teaching in the temple at 12 years old? And the people marveled at, his, at the power and the wisdom and the authority that came out of this 12-year-old. And how many of you know that when that 12-year-old turned 30 and began a ministry, right? And he chose his ministry team. See, I would have stopped at 11. Judas would not have made the cut. But Jesus like, I need a betrayer too on this team. And he chose 12 disciples and they were given power and authority over the sick and to cast out demons. And of course, this passage of scripture in Luke 8 is another reminder of a woman who had been sick for 12 years. The thing that God is telling us and all these 12s in the Bible and what he's trying to teach us is this. He's saying, I don't care if it's a blind eye, deaf ear, withered hand, issue of blood, a disease, a demon possession, a storm, a pandemic, a virus, the year 2020, an election year, or death itself. There is absolutely nothing that you are facing or will face that is out of the jurisdiction of my power and my authority. That's what he's trying to teach us all. We need a new view of God and his power and his authority. See, listen, we could easily look at this passage in Luke 8, chalk it up to just be a faith problem. I gotta have more faith, gotta have more faith, gotta have more faith. And certainly, listen, faith is important. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith is our anchor. But how many of you know, you don't just toss an anchor out of the boat. You're gonna lose that anchor. That anchor has to be connected and tethered to something. And our faith has to be connected to his authority, the authority of his word and power. If you don't believe that God is the ultimate authority, your faith is gonna struggle. 
If you don't believe that he has the ultimate authority and power, your faith is going to struggle. Because listen, even faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains, right? We need a new view of God, his power, and his authority. Let me, let me give you an example. Remember the, dis, the disciples in this hurricane storm? Jesus is asleep in the boat in a hurricane, right? Remember the story? And all of a sudden, the disciples are freaking out. We're going to die. We're going to die. I got to text my mom. We're going to die, right? They're freaking out. Jesus is asleep. He finally wakes up, cool, calm, collective, with sovereign swag. He comes up. Peace. And the storm stops. And they go, who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. You see, all of a sudden, their view of God and his authority manifested in that moment. If they knew that before, they would have been snuggled up with Jesus in the hurricane. We need a new view. You see, Jairus had a view of God, but it was kind of in a box. See, he wanted Jesus to come to his house. He already had the band and the Grace Church band there playing hallelujah here below. Like it was ready. The environment was good. Jairus, the pastor, thought the only way this was possible for God to work was for Jesus to be in person and physically present for his daughter to be healed. That was Jairus's view of God. The environment had to be just right. Uh, everything ha had to be exactly how he envisioned it for God to work. The year had to be 2021. The buildings had to be open. Zoom was not going to be the way that God worked. It had to be in person a certain kind of way. That was his view. How many of you guys know though that the Roman centurion in scripture had a whole other view of God and his authority? You see, when the Roman centurion, he understood authority. He said, I'm in authority and I'm under authority, but Jesus, you're not worthy to come to my house. You just need to speak the words and it will happen. And what did Jesus say? Wow, I've not seen faith like this anywhere. See, and then the woman, she had a completely other view of God, a totally different view. This woman had been approaching people with no authority for 12 years. And she thought to herself, if I could just touch his clothes. In fact, the Greek describes it as she continued to say within herself, if I could just touch, if I could just touch, if I could just touch. See, this woman, she didn't have Grace Church to go to or to watch online, to be fed. She didn't have a book or a podcast to be inspired by. She just had this voice inside herself and this view of God. She didn't have a copy of the Bible that we have today. She, didn't, she wasn't able to download the YouVersion Bible app and start a, a, a Bible plan at the beginning of the, of the year. You know, she didn't have any of these things. She just needed to be close enough to Jesus. Her view of God was so powerful that no border, no boundary, no law, no help, no money, nothing was going to stop her. This desperate voice inside herself and this view of God was what she had. She said, all I need to do is move closer to Jesus today. And if I just touch the hem of of his garment, that would be enough to change my life. And what I find very interesting about this story is that there was a massive crowd of people who all touched Jesus, but only one received a miracle. You know what I find really interesting week in and week out is that there are people that will come in person to a service or watch online 
They will leave a service not getting a single thing while others will walk away completely changed. Why? We need a new view of God. And in this day, someone came through the crowd with a new view of God who was desperate enough to get a touch from Jesus. And our view should never be limited to our surroundings. God can do anything, anytime, anywhere with anyone. God is able. He is the God of the impossible. And Jesus can change everything. Let me, let me close with this. You know, most of the time in scripture when Jesus does a miracle, he goes to that victim, to that person in need. In this case, it was a little different. See, Jesus was not heading in the woman's direction. In this case, his back was turned to her. Remember, she came up behind him. His back was turned. Have you ever felt that? Like God's back was turned to you? Like he's walking in a completely different direction and doesn't even seem to care about your situation. I know I have felt that many times. But I believe there's a correlation with this woman and the destination Jesus was going with Jairus. See, this interruption in this moment, listen carefully, the interruption in this moment was really an interweaving with the woman and Jairus' daughter. See, one was a young girl, the other a mature woman. One Jesus was going to, the other Jesus was walking away from. The year the woman was diagnosed with the disease was the same year the girl was born. 12 years old, 12 years sick. As the affliction grew into the woman and with the woman, the little girl grew into her condition. He gives life back with the woman, but loses life with the little girl. One is the coming generation, but seems close to death. The other is a mature generation, but is hemorrhaging, losing blood and strength. And in all of this chaos and loss and fear and confusion, it is Jesus, the Son of God, who stands in the center of it all. Not only can he heal the former, he can resurrect the latter. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everything that we see today was made by him and for him. And in him, all things hold together. And so both generations need to know that Jesus is still touching lives and the power of God is still available and accessible for all. That 2020 didn't destroy us, it made us desperate for him. That our identity is not defined by our problem, but by his word. And when God blesses others, that doesn't make us bitter, it makes us better because it reminds us that he's a good, good father and he's at work in and through his people. And when the impossible happens, don't bother the teacher anymore and you feel like don't go to church anymore. What's the use of prayer and worship and a Bible plan and reading and what's the point? We remember that 
God is still on the throne. He is the ultimate authority. He has the power. And one day, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a new year. Let's have a new view. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this, this story. Thank you for Grace Church, Lord. Help us to step into this new year with a brand new view. In Jesus' name, amen.